How did your parents talk to you about money? We didn't really have a lot of money conversations other than, oh, you should try to save that and um, get a job. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> get a job and get your money. Like, <laughs> that's about it. For me, I'm also starting to think about what my retirement might look like one day. I don't have a 401k. I don't have a retirement plan. I don't have life insurance. Like, I don't have any of these things. Welcome to Season 3 of MasterCard's Fortune Favors the Bold. I'm your host, Ashley C. Ford, and those are my pals, Brett and Louise. I'm back again as your host this season. I know a lot of people in my life still have questions about money, and I do too. And that's what this season is all about. We're taking the big questions we all have but are often afraid to ask and talking about them. To start those conversations, we're going to be taking listener-submitted questions about everything from paying for education to traveling responsibly. Throughout the season, we'll hear from those listeners and then we'll go on a journey to uncover answers that will not only help our guests, but everyone feel empowered. Sometimes we'll leave the studio and look at the problem playing out in the world, or sometimes we'll get our answers through a conversation with a single expert. And when one expert isn't enough, we'll bring in a whole panel of experts to give us different perspectives. And that's what we're doing today. Today, we've got three of the best relationship and finance experts I know. Jill Schlesinger, CBS News analyst, Daniel Ortberg of Slate's Dear Prudence, and Anna Sale, host of WNYC's That's Sex and Money. Together, they'll help Brett and Louise think through a question that underlies everything else we'll talk about this season. How do we define ourselves financially? So what is your financial identity? There are so many things that make up the way we see ourselves, and that's especially true when it comes to money. When I first sat down and tried to define my own financial identity, I realized that there wasn't just one question I was asking myself. There were a lot. How can I balance the pressure of paying off student debt while still enjoying my life? How do I work towards big financial goals on a freelancer's salary? How have my parents' values shaped the way I think about money? These are the types of questions we might never stop to ask ourselves, which can make it really hard to answer that big underlying question. What is my own financial identity? But once you're fire away to really feel your own financial identity, start making financial decisions with somebody else. I got married last year. My husband Kelly is the absolute love of my life but I've come to realize that we do not always think the same way about money. Like when we started planning, Kelly immediately suggested a destination wedding. But I knew a lot of my closest family and friends wouldn't be able to drop everything and fly somewhere to be with us. And I wish we would have had a guy to help us have those conversations because girl, it was hard. I know that Kelly and I are not the only ones who are dealing with this. So today we're talking to a couple thinking about their relationship with money more seriously because of their relationship. They're my pals, Luis and Brett. I'm Brett Tubbs, actor, singer from Indiana, where we grew up together, as you may recall. 
Brett and I have known each other forever. We actually met in middle school. Kind of hit it off as a love-hate relationship, friends for a while, then started dating. And then, whoops, I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward a few years, Brett meets Luis, an actor and arts educator, while they were both in a children's play. Yes, Skippy John Jones. Skippy John. My claim to fame. Yeah. And when I went to see them in Skippy John Jones, I knew the minute I saw Brett look at Luis. He liked you a lot. (laughs) And the rest is history. Today, they both live in New York City, still acting and pursuing their dreams, but taking other gigs on the side, too. To pay the bills, I'm a bartender on Broadway. It's mostly paid the bills since I moved here. I do some little side stuff here and there when it doesn't. I always say that I have two careers. I'm an actor, obviously, and so with that, it's like auditioning, taking classes, all of that full-time stuff. And then additionally, I've been a teaching artist for a decade now. Brett and Louise have been together for five years, and they're starting to really build a life together. And that means they've got to start figuring out how to have real conversations about money. When was the first time you had to talk about money as a couple? Um, I feel like it was probably whenever we were about to move in together. Yeah, I think that was like the first like big one, big talk we had about money. Yeah, Um, was like, what's your say? Do you have savings? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what do we? What can we pull together? What can we figure out? Right. When you guys do have tough conversations, hard conversations about money, what do they look like? We do kind of have like different spending habits. You know, I I'll be on the end of like, let's just hold on to it. Let's not spend that money, even though I want to, and it would probably make us happy, and we deserve it. We just don't know, and Mm -hmm. and he's. More on the, no, we should have this. We work for this. This isn't that big of a deal. I I love coupons. I love, like, a good deal. So whenever I do something like that, I mask it a little bit with, I purchased this really nice thing for me, but guess what? I got it on sale. Yeah. And and also, um, we haven't talked about the fact that we're both essentially freelancers. Mm. Um, and so it's it's really, really hard to think about future when you don't know what the future is, you know? Tomorrow, Brett could book a Broadway show, and like that would change everything as mm-hmm. far as finances. Yeah, but then um, that Broadway show could close two weeks later. And then later. that Broadway show could close, right, two weeks later. One thing I kept noticing with Brett and Luis is that these conversations about money often seem pretty inconsequential. I mean, coupons. But in reality, there's a lot at stake for Brett and Luis. It's more than just Luis wanting to buy nice things and Brett feeling a little anxious about splurging. They're really talking about everything in the past that has shaped their views of money. Everything from the people Brett and I grew up with in Indiana to Luis's early memories after his family immigrated from Colombia to the U.S. So let's get into the background a little bit. How did your parents talk to you about money? Yeah, like, we didn't really talk a lot about it. I mean, sometimes I kind of feel like I wish they would have talked to us a little bit more about it. Um... Because, yeah, we didn't really have a lot of money conversations other than, oh, you should try to save that and um, get a job. That's about it. I feel like the the first moment when I realized there was such a thing as, like, a, a class system was when, when my family and I moved here. Mm. 
just our lives changed so drastically in like in a day. I also remember like being excited about American school, mm-hmm. but also my parents breaking down to me that like, oh, you're gonna go to public school now, and I remember being like, ah, what? <laughs> Are we? Poor? Like, yeah, it was like very, very dramatic. I was like nine years old. Uh, so I think that was the first time when like it hit me hard that like, oh, there's a change. Now I belong to a different group of people, I guess. But do you guys feel like you're in a different place than you were when you were young? I feel like I'm a little bit more ahead, but not much. Right. It's taken me years to get to the place where I like, I know I can have like a savings account and I, I don't have to worry about going week to week with money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know it just takes one one good medical bill to screw that up. Mm-hmm. I feel about the same, except I feel a burden of student loans that I don't mm-hmm. think was in my family growing up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, great. Like I have a, yeah, I have a savings account. Yeah, like I'm good. And then I'm like, but wait, if I subtract the money that I owe, right. I actually, I'm in the negatives. This is why I wanted to talk to Brett and Louise. They're really excited about their future, but they also feel a little paralyzed by their mounting student debt and all that comes with that. Because no matter how much we try to escape our past, we can't. And they realized that as they started making choices about everything from buying a couch to choosing a home to paying off those student loans. They had to find a way to accept their own financial identities to make good financial decisions as individuals and as a pair. Do you feel like your individual financial identities impact your relationship? So we've both been in relationships where we've like lost a good part of our autonomy Mm. and just been like overly generous. (laughs) So like, you know, we've both been away from that, had time to really find ourselves and love ourselves and treat ourselves right. So coming into the relationship, it's like, I love you so much and I'll do anything for you to a point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't lose myself. Right. What are some of your biggest shared money goals? Um, I think for us is the living situation, you know, um, owning owning something, putting down a a down payment on something. Mm. And then, like, as far as artistic stuff, like we've discussed starting like a production company. Um, But again, that's we want to produce stuff. We're going to need some money. Got to spend it to make it. So yeah. mm, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've found that the hardest thing to do when it comes to money, budgeting, figuring out money future, is having some sort of roadmap. Mm. Because we are not on a straight road. Do you guys feel like you have some kind of roadmap? I know mm-hmm. I have I'm an, an amount of money that I want to have in my savings. Mm-hmm. And once I reach that amount, I'm just going to come up with a higher amount. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to keep going. For me, I'm also starting to think about what my retirement might look like one day. I don't have a 401k. I don't have a retirement plan. I don't have life insurance. Like, I don't have any of these things. Um, So it's definitely something I'm thinking about as well. There's a lot to consider when it comes to defining your financial identity. And for Brett and Luis, they're able to have tough conversations, but that doesn't mean they figured it all out, like most of us. They still have a lot of questions that don't have clear-cut answers. Like, how can they maintain their separate identities even if their financial futures are joined? All of our things are kept pretty separate. Mm -hmm. I'd really like to know how couples can manage to 
keep their individuality when integrating their finances because, you know, I don't think people talk a lot about the emotional and mental aspects of finances. Like, I don't want to let go of myself just because we're coming together with money. And how to be a stress-free freelancer. So because we are all essentially freelancers, there is anxiety that comes with thinking about the future. Uh, so I would like to ask how to cope with anxiety that comes with not knowing exactly what the future holds. And, you know, how to be happy. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to know how you balance your financial world with, with your emotional and mental happiness. How can you <laughs> maintain some type of joy in your life with the understanding that you have all these obligations? Easy stuff, right? After the break, we're sitting down with our panel of experts who are going to help answer all of Luis and Brett's tough questions. My name is Mercedes Garcia, and I am Vice President Community Relations at MasterCard. When MasterCard started about seven years ago, we were focusing on the Latino and African-American communities, but as we saw the need, the growing need of learning about electronic payments technology, we expanded MasterCard to talk to small businesses and then more specifically to women entrepreneurs. So one of our partners is Operation Hope. My name is Mary Ersom, and I'm the president of Operation Hope Partnerships. For 27 years, we've worked with individuals that would like to start a business. They may be in a dead-end job, or they're just working to change their life. They have an idea, and we help them take it to the next level, from sort of an ideological phase to accessing capital. We don't call it financial literacy. We call it financial dignity and living a life of dignity. And two years ago, we targeted the first entrepreneurship program that's 100% for women. One week, for example, you'll focus on accounting and tax issues, another on finance and building your financial plan, and, and we'll pull in subject matter experts into each of these sessions. When I was assigned to manage the relationship with them, we saw all the different ways in which we could partner. And this includes, most importantly, to be able to incorporate into their curriculum the program that Master MasterYorkCard has, which includes all the payment technology. They have volunteers that will come in and talk about all of the tools that MasterCard can offer a small business. So they've been an incredible partner, an incredible resource for our women. It was so rewarding and so refreshing to see the excitement and the hope and how they felt so equipped with everything they needed to conquer the world. MasterCard, through the Master Your Card program, is really bringing a lot of value to the community. So I feel very proud of the Master Your Card program. To learn more, email fftb at mastercard.com. Here's the thing. The questions that Brett and Luis asked in our conversation don't have clear-cut answers. There's no one person I could call who could tell them how to hold on to their own views as they combine finances or how to find joy in a hard work week. 
I wanted to not only help out my friends, but help everyone thinking about what these types of questions mean for their financial identity. So I decided to call up the three best relationship and finance experts I know. Jill Schlesinger. CBS News business analyst, host of Jill on Money podcast and syndicated radio show. Daniel Ortberg. Also known as Dear Prudence over at Slate, where I give advice about relationships, work, sex, family, and often money. And Anna Sale. I host the podcast Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC Studios. I told them all about Brett and Luis, and then we dove right into their questions. A lot of the questions that Brett and Luis had were pretty complex, but I want to start with something basic. They both said in the past that they've struggled to maintain their own sense of identity once they've merged finances. So what should they be talking about when they talk about merging their finances? Let's start with you, Jill. Why are you merging your finances? Ask that question. What does that signify for you? For the vast majority of people, merging your finances isn't actually so much easier. You know, sometimes as you're older, it's like you have patterns that are established. You know how you manage money. You know how to do this. You don't have to merge your finances. Yeah, I, th- I think so much along those same lines. I, I, I think if somebody wants to say to their partner, like, for whatever reason or based on whatever experience, it's really important to me that I have, you know, um, this particular financial goal that I'm saving towards that's just mine, I think is, is really good. And it's just, again, it's, it's available to you. There's so many ways to have a financially like equitable and transparent relationship. Equitable does not have to mean everything is distributed 50-50. It's not like if you don't have the same bank account, you can never send money back and forth or, or pay a debt on behalf of your partner. You can still do all those things. Okay, I ask that because Brett and Louise come from similar class backgrounds, okay? True. But in a lot of ways, they have really different ideas about money. Brett is more of a saver, and Louise has been really clear about the fact that he likes nice things. So somehow, they have to reconcile these very individual ideas about what to do with their money and move towards shared goals. So the question that I have for you guys what should they be asking themselves and each other to be able to do that? Let's start with Danny. Yeah, I, I think oftentimes, especially if there's even a slight dynamic of like one person spends a little more and the other one saves a little more, it can be easy to sort of cast yourself in those roles and feel like, okay, this is the person who needs to be restrained and monitored and this is the person who's wise and, and is the, you know, the ending of an Aesop's fable. And so I think it can be really important to talk about, again, those feelings here and just to say, like, look, if you've overspent today or this week or this month, it is not the end of the world. I'm not going to come after you. I want to, like, be able to talk about if we met our goals recently or not. Do we want to do something differently next time um, without kind of assigning to it that deep, deep moral weight? Yeah. I mean, I think that what you're saying, it's like, you have to have the conversation about money, but there are two really distinct parts of that conversation. You've got to get real about like what you have and what you expect to have in the future and what you have to pay off. Like it's important to be transparent about that. But the second conversation that I think a lot of us skip over is like, what are all the assumptions about money that you are also bringing into the relationship? And that goes back to how you grew up with money, whether money is something that feels scary and like you just don't want to deal with. And I think that like 
often, even when we start that conversation, it's like, oh, did you grow up with enough money or did you not have enough money? And and we think that that's enough to get at it, but it's actually not. And so I think that all of that is part of is part of the stuff that you've got to get into when you're in partnership. Now, I mean, I totally agree. You really want to talk about the emotional side of it first, because that really has informed probably most of your decisions. If your partner knows the underlying rationale for making a bad decision, it might really bring out the the empathy and help you get to a different place to chart a new course. Now, Brett and Luis are also both freelancers, as am I. They don't know where their next paycheck is coming from, and they feel like their financial future is so uncertain. I want to ask you, Anna, because I know on your show you've talked to a lot of freelancers about money and stability. How can people learn to cope with anxiety about what the future holds? So I think that it's not about, like, not having that anxiety. It's about recognizing what that anxiety is a part of like that like like freelancers know that the future is uncertain and in fact the future is uncertain for all of us <laughs> and like those of us mm-hmm. with staff jobs you know have a little bit more layers to make us feel like we're a little more in control and often that can be some somewhat of a of a mirage i think it's about asking for help when you're in a moment of what feels like life transition and asking for help for some from someone who is familiar with people in your line of work. Absolutely. So we've been having conversations about all of Brett and Luis's questions. And everything we've been talking about is really about how we see ourselves and our own relationship with money. After everything, how would you define financial identity? I think of like how I tend to see myself, whether it's like, oh, do I think of myself as a good saver or do I think of myself as like a sort of charismatic overspender? Um, And based on like how I feel about myself in any given moment, that might affect um, how I'm going to handle the money that I have in front of me. How about you, Jill? In my experience, your money habits are essentially formed by the time you're 17 or 18 years old, that your family of origin is really shaping what your uh, emotional relationship with money is all about. My father was a trader on the floor of the American Stock Exchange, and he would talk about how much money he made or lost every single day, and nobody did that at that time. So um, my identity is somebody who just feels comfortable with money. It's probably why I just, I feel like feel completely at ease with it. How about you, Anna? Well, I think... The first when you said that, I was like, hmm, I would say financial identities um, Mm. because they change. Uh, And I think that that's where we have a hard time. Financial identity, I think, is what we tell ourselves and have taught ourselves and have been told about what our relationship is to money. And I think that they are more often than not, like, actually not in sync with the amount of money in your bank account. Ooh, Anna. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Okay, so how can people like Brett and Luis maintain joy in their lives while still being responsible with money? Because that's always the question, right? There's always, at least in my life, it feels like there's this push and pull. So how do we maintain that balance? Oh, I think that that's a good question. I think thinking about it like there's a way to be responsible with money and there's a way to be irresponsible with money is too binary. Like what money brings up in a relationship is about like 
your values. It's like everything from what kind of like dishes do we mm-hmm. want to buy to like what does family look like for us? So it's about like remembering that you get to make those choices. Like there's not one way to be responsible. I love that. How about you, Jill? I think that you probably create balance by just living a life where you're communicating about what you both want to do, you're pursuing it, and the experience that you have is much more long-lasting in terms of happiness than the thing that you buy. So if you maybe remember that and you're thinking like that there's a longer-term goal here and we can do something fun to celebrate our little wins. Anna, Jill, Danny, you've said such brilliant things. I can't wait to share all of your insight with Brett and Louise. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Please tell Brett and Louise that I'm rooting for them. Hello. Hello, friends. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. Anna, Jill, and Daniel all had such insightful answers to Brett and Louise's questions. I felt like they really got at the emotional root of their concerns and gave them a roadmap to help them figure out their financial identities. So I called up Brett and Louise to tell them what I learned. Okay, so one thing you guys asked about was how you can work to merge your finances while still maintaining a sense of independence. Now, Jill actually reframed the question. She said that above all else, you have to think about why you're merging your finances. And guess what? You don't actually have to. (laughs) It's not required. (laughs) It certainly doesn't make your relationship any more or less real. Is that a relief to you to hear someone else say that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm out here like, it's not in the curriculum. Like, what? Okay, yeah. I know I didn't read the rule book, but I assumed it was in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think it's really easy to see the way other people do things, especially because, like, Brett, like we said, like, coming from the Midwest, the idea is that everybody merges their finances. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, obviously, talking about I could be like, oh, sure, we don't have to do that. But in my mind, it's like, but you do. (laughs) That's what you do. Right? (laughs) Okay. Now, we also talked to them about freelancing and the anxiety that comes with that, which we all know, all three of us. Mm -hmm. They said that freelancers think a lot about the fact that the future is uncertain. But the reality is that the future is uncertain for all of us. (laughs) None of us Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen next. So even if we can't make that anxiety go away we can at least recognize that we are not alone in feeling it. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yep. Framing it that way helped a lot more for me. Like, freelancing in this in this gig life, like, you know, I used to work in the corporate world, just, you know, make money, and it's like, I'm glad I know what that, that anxiety was, mm. and I know that I can handle this anxiety much better because I'm, I'm working towards something. Right. Okay. I don't know if you remember, but we ended our conversation with a pretty big question about how to maintain joy in life while also being responsible with your money. Uh, But when I first brought up this idea of joy versus responsibility, 
Anna particularly was really quick to point out that either or way of looking at money can feel like a really unrealistic binary. Oh, you're right. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll work it out. (laughs) Like that nice bag I finally bought, you know, I think I took a picture of that. Like you did like a few days, I think maybe two or three days after we recorded Brett sent me a text with a photo of a beautiful bag that he had brought himself as evidence of him thinking about what we talked about and being more open to spending his money on things that he would enjoy that were nicer things, quality things, things that he needed. And I must say, I was so proud. Yeah, that, that, that to me brought me joy. It was spent money. It was something that was both practical and a little fancy. I got to say, I, I was shocked when I got home and he said, <laughs> baby, let me show you what I bought. I turned. I was shocked. I was gooped. I was like, what? You bought something <laughs> that you want to show me? You spent money? <laughs> on a thing? But I will point out, it was at the store that was going out of business and everything was like 90% off. So I was like, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you for, for having us. We love you. We appreciate it. Bye. 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 We all have implicit ideas about money. And those ideas affect everything. From how we define vacation, to where we choose to live, to whether a destination wedding is on the table. Together, all our ideas about money make up our financial identity. But no two financial identities, for couples or individuals, look alike. No matter if you're more of a saver, a spender, or someone who's still trying to figure it all out, feeling comfortable with your financial identity is just the beginning. Once we know how we think and feel about money, we still have to go out into the world. And out there, our ideas about money are tangled up in everyone else's ideas about money. The good news is, we're not alone. Everyone has big financial questions, and we're going to spend the next eight weeks talking through them all. Ashley C. Ford, I'm so glad you're back. Your voice is like butter. Anyway, my question is, how do I teach my child good money habits? How do I get my friends to pay me back? Am I making less than my coworkers? I'm wondering if I can afford What's the most environmentally money? conscious way to get to work? Should I apply to grad school? Hey, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. I'm, I'm wondering if I can afford it. Hi, Ashley. It's Katya. I have a question. What is the best way to pay for school? That's next time on Fortune Favors the Bold. Fortune Favors the Bold is a podcast from MasterCard and Pineapple Street Studios. It's hosted and produced by me, Ashley C. Ford. Our MasterCard executive producers are Marcy Cohen and Brooke Capsuroni. MasterCard editorial direction by Arsalan Danish and production by Rebecca Abraham. Our MasterCard mid-roll producer is Mira Belgrade. Our theme song is by Bobby Lord. Tell us what you thought of the show. Find us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And tell your friends about the show, too. I'm Ashley C. Ford. Fortune Favors the Bold will be back next week.